Breaking news from The Athletic. Greetings and welcome to The Athletic's Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Jason Stark here with my friend and fellow athletic wordsmith, Joe Posnanski. And Joe, I don't know many people walking around this planet who love the Hall of Fame more than you and I do. So what should we make of a Hall of Fame election in which no one got elected? First time since 2013 and only the fourth time in the last 50 years. Are you surprised? Um no, I don't think so. I don't think I'm surprised. I think it seemed like it was leading up to this. You know, I think that in addition to this being the first time since 2013 uh, that that no BBWAA uh, people elected anybody, uh, there was no vote because of, of uh, COVID from the Veterans Committees. So I believe this is the first time since, is it 1970, that literally no new players will be added to the Hall of Fame in, in a year, which is... Uh, Quite striking, quite striking. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that part of it. Now, obviously, we're going to have an induction weekend, um, pandemic permitting, because the 2020 class never got honored. So Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, Marvin Miller, uh, two Spink Award winners, two Frick Award winners, they will all be honored. So there will be an induction weekend. But it's going to be a strange one, don't you think? Yeah, it's going to be very strange. Well, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, we're we're out of this thing enough. They, they've already announced that the date's going to be July 25th. Hopefully, that, that'll be yep. late enough that we'll be able to to actually have a, a full-fledged ceremony. But yeah, I mean, it's it's who remembers us voting Derek Jeter in? I mean, it's been, you know, it's been a full <laughs> year since that happened and Larry Walker and, and, uh, and all those guys. But, you know, obviously, it'll be great. For them to finally get their moment, and and you know, I I think that's going to be good, uh, but it is going to be strange. Of course, would it not have been strange if Kurt Schilling and Barry Bonds <laughs> and Roger Clemens had been a part of this cast? So so I think it was yeah. going to be strange no matter what. It, it's 2021, man. <laughs> Extension of 2020. Everything's strange. Uh, all right, now you had Kurt Schilling at number 30 in your incredible. Outsider series in which you counted down the hundred greatest players not in the Hall of Fame. But I, I just want to read something that you wrote sure. in that piece. You, I mean, you've always been a Kurt Gilling voter. You announced in that piece last month, I'm done. You said if the Hall of Fame really is an honor and not just an acknowledgement of baseball greatness. Well, one thing I feel very sure about is that Kurt Schilling doesn't deserve it now i don't want to spend the whole podcast debating the character and integrity clause because uh, that's a mini that is a mini series we'd have a lot of time a podcast. That, yeah. but um t- tell me how you feel now that i think it's clear kurt schilling's probably never getting elected yeah i don't Not by us by us anyway yeah i mean he's got one more year he was 16 votes short it doesn't seem like he is uh, likely to pick up those votes. I don't know where he would pick them up from. And as we just found out literally seconds ago, uh, he has already made his announcement that he doesn't even want to be considered. And of course, that's not his decision. But the fact that he said, I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter probably is not going to win him that many friends. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And not, not that that should matter. I mean, I actually think that's that's perfectly fine and if, if if he had if he had kept it there i think everything would have been would have been fine but um 
Yeah. It, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So what would happen if we elected him anyway? Would he show up? <laughs> yes, of course he would. Are you kidding? Yeah, he would. A microphone, he would. A microphone and, and Cooperstown? Yeah, of course he would show up. Um, yeah. Look, I, I think that the Kurt Schilling thing, the, the, so many hard decisions. Kurt Schilling, uh, to me, the big, he was a great pitcher. He was a great postseason pitcher. The big problem for me with Kurt Schilling, and people want to point out it, it's something about politics. It's nothing to do with politics. It's, it's to me, it's divisiveness and, and his, his insistence, absolute insistence on a daily basis of, of, of spreading uh, hate and division. And, you know, that's at some point, I think everybody, I, I don't disagree with anybody who voted for him, uh, but for me, it was, it was a bridge too far. Yeah, as I wrote in my column reacting to this vote, Kurt Schilling is literally tweeting himself out of the Hall of Fame. It's never been done. No. <laughs> uh, you feel, you, I mean, I don't know. I, like, I've known this guy a long time. Uh, to me, there's a, there's a sad aspect to that. Do you feel any sadness? Nothing. I do. Nothing but sadness. Honestly, I don't. Yeah. I loved Kurt Schilling <clears throat> as, as a player. I loved watching him play. Uh, I wrote very i i wrote several columns including some that he would call me about uh that to talk about how much i admired him as a player and and you know this from knowing him forever he 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 displayed a good heart so often throughout his career the way he he stood up for kids uh his his work with als uh you know obviously yeah. his his devotion to the military i mean this this was a guy that that did so many good things. Won the Clemente Award, won the Lou Gehrig Award, Branch Rickey Award, Branch Rickey Award, also. and and know. you know, and then it's 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 sad. It's it's I feel nothing but sadness about it, and and you know, I I, I he don't, he won't stop, and and I think that's sad too. Yeah, no doubt about it. And um, all right, let let let's turn to something that happened in this election that I think tells us about a former teammate of Kurt Schilling who is going to get elected. And that is Scott Rowland. Yeah. Scott Rowland gained 67 votes last year. He picked up another 72 this year. He's <laughs> up to 52.9%. And I went through this. He's now over 50% in his fourth year on the ballot. Yeah. Everyone who has ever gotten to 50% within four years has made it. The last 30 in a row have all been elected. The last two didn't, Gil Hodges. Right. Um, Scott Rowland, another guy who made your top 100 list. Yeah, high on my list. I was th yeah, thr I know. You thrilled for him. Thrilled for him. I, I do think that this is a pretty clear sign he's going to get in. The, the thing that you find that I find fascinating about Scott Rowland is not only that he gained so much, but he, he leapfrogged Omar Vizquel. And, and I thought that was because mm -hmm. that was always the question, right? It was it was those two guys, you know, contemporaries, both infielders on the left side, both great defensive players of Vizquel, uh, all those hits. And, and Rowland was clearly a better hitter, but but for a shorter career. And, and, you know, Vizquel took the early lead and it looked like Vizquel was going to run away with things. And obviously some stuff happened with him as well this year. Uh, but seeing Roland jump over uh, Vizquel, I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah, no doubt about that. 
Um, like I, I don't think we want to spend a lot of time on Omar Vizquel either. No. But let me just talk for a second about Scott Rowland yeah. because I was working in Philadelphia when he arrived at the big leagues, and it didn't take long till you realized that he was then what we think of Nolan Arenado mm-hmm. as being now. Like I, I as I wrote in, in my other column, my ballot column. He thought he was going to catch everything hit between shortstop and maniac. <laughs> and he, like, he honestly didn't care if he had to, had to steamroll the shortstop or the third base umpire or <laughs> coaches, whoever got in his way, he was going to catch it. And then he was going to unleash that arm and he was going to throw you out. And he just played the position with this ferocity that was so much fun to watch. And, It's just so interesting, Joe, because people look at Adrian Beltre as a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. I I believe that too. But Scott Rowland, more gold gloves than Adrian Beltre and a higher OPS, higher OPS plus better offensive player than Beltre didn't quite have the volume. But in in a sport where we've only elected really seven full-time third right. baseman whose careers began in the last hundred years. I think he's going to be the eighth. Yeah. Excited about that. I am too. I am too. He was a great player and I love the comparison to, to Beltre. I, you know, I think that, that who do you take in their, in their absolute prime? I mean, it's, I think maybe Roland, uh, you know, Beltre, Beltre's first ballot guy, right? I mean, 3000 hits and everything else that he did. Yeah. Uh, and so sure. much fun. They were both so much fun. Uh, Roland never really got that kind of a claim, uh, and and he should have because he was he really was a fantastic player. Yeah. All right. Let's let me run through a, a few other guys who vote totals went up. Tell me who got your attention. Todd Helton up sixty four votes, jumped by fifteen point seven percent. Man, he's at f- almost forty five percent. Billy Wagner went up sixty votes, almost fifteen percent. With him, he's now over 46%. Andrew Jones, who really had been going nowhere, jumped by 59 votes and, uh, again, another 15%. So let's see here. Andrew now about 34%. Who jumps out at you there? Well, all three of those guys do. And Gary Sheffield, right? Big, big, big jump for Sheffield as well. Uh, You know, all four of those guys made, you know, to the point where you – you have to ask. I mean, Jones is a little bit, you know, behind the rest. But does does Wagner have a real chance now at the Hall of Fame? I'd say yes. I mean, I I think that there's, you know, especially the further we get away from Mariano, who I always thought, you know, and you're trying to compare people. Yeah. Mariano Good just point. overshadows everybody. The further we get away from Mariano Rivera, the more I think ah, Billy Wagner's got a real chance. Yeah, I think he does too. He's running out of time, but. There's enough time. Yeah. Um, and Todd Helton is another guy. Wow. I think Larry Walker yes. helped Todd Helton so much. Like I, I've, I know you've written about this. I've written about this, talked about it. We've got Coors Field. We've got that thing all wrong. <laughs> you know, uh, we have lots of tools now that enable us to measure these players who spent years at Coors and understand what they were when they played in Denver, when they didn't play in Denver, what their careers represented. And Todd Helton, um, 
here's like, I mean, there are a million ways to do this. Um, but one thing I did was I looked at his OPS plus, yep. right. That which accounts for ballpark factor and his offensive runs, um, runs above replacement. Right. The only first baseman since 1900 who beat him in both categories. These are both adjusted figures. Now are Gehrig, Jimmy Fox, Jeff Bagwell, Willie McCovey. I think this vote is a reflection of the great player that Todd Helton was. He won three gold gloves too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you're right. We've, we've gotten Coors Field wrong. And I was talking to Brandon McCarthy the other day and he made this great point about Coors Field, which is in addition to everything else, it tears up your body to play 81 games in that, in, in Coors Field. I mean, it's so big and and you're playing in that light air all the time. I mean, it's difficult. And this was a guy who played every single day, you know, 160 games a year kind of player. Uh, and what a force. And, and, you know, you talk about his numbers. I mean, his 2000 season or, you know, was just it was it was Stan Musial come to life. I mean, it, it's it's he he was a truly, truly great player. And I'm glad to see that reflected. I think I think he's he's going to do nothing but go up. I think so too. All right, one last thing because we got to run. Next year, it's it's Barry Bonds' last year. Yes, on the ballot. It's Roger Clemens' last year on the ballot. It's Alex Rodriguez's first year on right. the ballot. So here's what I'm looking at. I think we're looking at two months of asking ourselves, what are we going to do yes. about the greatest players of the PED era? Once and for all, we got to decide. Yeah, it's going to come down. And by the way, David Ortiz on the ballot next year, right? I mean, Ortiz. there's the, yep. there's there's a guy with a lesser connection, but still a slight connection to the PEDs, you know, and maybe the most popular player of of his time. And and so, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be you know, and this is going to be in so many ways finality, right? Because once Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are off the ballot, if they don't get in. They're not getting in. Uh, there, nope. There's no veterans committee that's going to vote them in. No. And then we're going to have nine more years of A-Rod and further and further away, right? <laughs> I mean, assuming A-Rod doesn't get in first year. And then suddenly A-Rod goes in. Everybody's going to go, well, what in the heck? How did Barry Bonds not go in if A-Rod is in? I mean, it's, it's going to be madness, absolute madness next year. Yeah, well, the good news is that after 2031, we don't have to talk about PEDs ever again. So I'm looking forward to 2031. All right, we got to go. Uh, thanks for joining our breaking news coverage of the Baseball Hall of Fame voting announcement. Uh, go to the Athletics' new headlines section for much more on this story. Uh, to get access to all of the Athletics' great sports content, visit theathletic.com slash headline pod. Uh, you can join us there for just $3.99 per month. So I'm Jason Stark for Joe Posnanski. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.